We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures, visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, Daniel, what am I made out of? You're made of particles. Uh-huh. And my lunch? Particles. What about the sun? Also particles. Okay, now what are all of those particles made out of? Probably smaller particles. <laughs> so, so is it particles all the way down? Is there anything that's not a particle? You're asking a particle physicist, so what else do you expect to hear? <laughs> An actual particle of explanation? <laughs> well, I think this podcast is basically a particle. Oh. Is it made out of explainions? <laughs> bad punions? Bad jokesions? I had a bad punion last week. Didn't go over well. Jorge, I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a real particle physicist, not a quasi-particle physicist. Welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Quasi-Explain the Universe, a real production of iHeartRadio. That's right, in which we talk about all the things that are real, all the things that are crazy, and all the things that are imagined, and our interpretation of all of them. We break them down for you and try to give you an understanding of what's going on out there and how scientists are thinking about it. All the mysteries of the universe, all the unanswered questions, and all the amazing facts that we have learned. We bring it all to you with a pun or two. That's right. All of the things that are out there and all the things that might also be out there that scientists are not sure actually exist or are even real. Even some things that could be semi-real. Isn't that a weird term, Daniel? Semi-real? Almost real? <laughs> it's semi-weird, yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole we could get down into there about like, what does real even mean, man? But I don't think we've smoked mm. enough banana peels yet today to get there. Or like, are rabbits even real? <laughs> That's another rabbit hole in itself. And why are they chasing bananas down rabbit holes? Like, that never made any sense. <laughs> yeah, so everything's a particle. It seems like, you know, all matter in the universe. And so it kind of begs the question, like, what are particles themselves made out of? And what, what is not made out of particles? And could there be something else that's not a particle, but still make up matter? Yeah, and particles are sort of an idea that we have. I mean, we look out in the universe and we break things up and we see them as smaller and smaller bits. And then we have this notion that the smallest piece might be this dot. But the whole concept of a particle is a little bit fuzzy. We've talked on the podcast about the discovery of particles, what it really means to be a particle. You know, the first particle ever discovered was the electron. It was really just the identification of a point in space that where you had charge and mass at the same time, like this little cluster of quantum labels. And since then, we've added stuff to it. You know, particles can have spin, they can have magnetic moments, they can do all sorts of crazy stuff. But still this concept of like, what is a particle? What does it mean? It remains a little bit fuzzy. You know, they don't have any volume. They do all sorts of weird things. Sometimes they act like waves. And so it begs the question of like, are particles real or are they just something sort of in our mind? And can we apply this notion of particles to other things also? Mm. Now, Daniel, as a disclaimer, we, we should say that you are a particle physicist. So you, you might not be entirely neutral on this subject. You might be a little biased. <laughs> or I'm an expert, right? So you should, you should listen carefully <laughs> oh, to my thoughts right. about it because I'm well informed. No, it's certainly true. And I like to think of the universe in terms of particles. I like to think that the universe can be explained in terms of a bunch of little microscopic things, that everything is really just an emergent phenomena of the microscopic. Right. I guess to a particle physicist, everything looks like a particle. Yeah. Just like I've heard astronomers say, we're all made out of stars. I'm like, hmm, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of a question of scale. Even astronomers, sometimes they treat like the whole sun as a particle. Mm. You know, when you're doing your gravitational calculations about, you know, moving a planet around a star, you don't really care about how big the star is. You're so far from it that you can effectively treat the whole star as if it was a point mass at the center of mass of the star. Mm. And that's basically calling it a particle. It's saying, I don't care about any other details. I'm just going to put it as a point. Right. So it's a very powerful concept, even if you're not gainfully employed in the field. Right. And generally speaking, it just kind of means like a packet of stuff, right? Yeah, it's sort of like a, a little cluster of labels. You know, you can put a mass on it, a spin on it, you know, other kind of quantum labels. But yeah, it's like a, a little cluster of labels. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Like a whole bunch of little labels moving around together. Yeah. Like we talked about how the neutrino, you know, it carries a weak label, but it doesn't carry one for the strong force. And you know, photons don't carry any mass, but they do carry information about electromagnetic fields. And so to me, I think about these things as having their little dots in space that have labels on them. Mm -hmm. And so there's this concept in physics called a quasi-particle. Is it quasi or quasi-particle? I'm quasi-sure that it's quasi-particle. <laughs> we're obviously quasi-experts in, in vocabulary <laughs> here and pronunciation. Hey, if we're wrong, we're only quasi-wrong. <laughs> it's better than being semi-wrong, I guess. <laughs> or pseudo-wrong, yeah. Or pseudo-experts. There you go. <laughs> and this came to us from listeners, actually, who had a question about what these things are. Listeners Linda Campbell, Nick Beatrice... Jack Case, Tim Davis, they all wrote to us asking, what a quasi-particle is. That's right. If you have a question about something you'd like us to talk about, write to us because we will actually answer your email and sometimes even do a podcast on it. And these folks had seen articles about quasi-particles and asked us to explain it. 
What is a quasi-particle? What does it mean? Yeah, and have we gone too far with this concept of particles? Impossible. <laughs> you can't have enough particles to, <laughs> to a particle physicist. You can't have too many particles. I mean, it's such a nice idea. No, we don't know, right? Like, we don't know if particles go on forever, if you can get down to the smallest possible particle, or if you get small enough particles, doesn't really work and you need something else like, you know, pixels of space or little strings or something else. Mm. But so far, it's a very nice idea to explain the world around us. Is it like, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you have a particle collider, everything looks like a particle. <laughs> yeah. And if particles have worked, then you extend the idea. You're like, well, let's see if this would also help us understand this other problem. And we do that in physics and in math all the time. We take strategies from one field and we apply them somewhere else to see if we can make connections. You know, one of Newton's greatest leaps forward conceptually was understanding that the same rules applied in the heavens and on Earth. And that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to use the concept we discovered in particle physics, the group theory, the symmetry, the concept conservation laws and apply mm. them other places. Yes, Daniel, but what is heaven made out of? Particles also? <laughs> Particles. <laughs> Angelons. Uh, halons. There you go. Halons. <laughs> halons, exactly. Um, yeah, so as usual, we were wondering how many people out there actually had heard of this concept or knew what it was. So Daniel went out there into the wilds of the internet to ask this question and get people's responses. So before you listen to these answers, think about it for a second. Have you heard of quasi-particles and... If somebody asks you, what would you say? Here's what people had to say. Sounds like something that has some of the properties of particles, but perhaps doesn't satisfy all of the conditions. Either that or some guy named Quasi came up with a new particle. Probably something that wants to trick you that it's a particle and it's not. Do you want to guess that they're particles with more than one part? Quasi-particles are virtual particles that don't follow the rules. Quasi-particles are particles which are created in the vacuum because of the background energy of space that sort of are there and they're not there, maybe. Anyway, I hope that's, uh, hope that's something. Is that like a virtual particle or maybe something that we've seen in the data when we've been looking for particles that we can't quite explain? Particles have mass. And quasi-particles maybe do and maybe don't. Maybe they go through a filter in the universe. Something that's almost a particle or something very similar to one. I'm not a native speaker and I had to look quasi in dictionary. It means semi, so quasi-particle is semi-particle. Quasi means something that looks like something else. So I'm assuming that quasi-particle is a particle that looks like a particle but really isn't. I would say a quasi-particle is a particle that may appear to be real but actually is not. There was something super tiny. Well, those are some pretty good guesses. Yeah, I like the person who looked it up in the dictionary. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I know. There are some rules here. You're not supposed to look anything up or Google anything, but, you know, not being a native speaker, I'll forgive that right, one. Right, maybe there are just quasi-rules. <laughs> so, yeah, let's jump right into it, Daniel. Um, uh, what, what is a quasi-particle? So, a quasi-particle is called a quasi-particle because it's something that behaves like a particle, it has some of the same properties that we typically use to describe particles, like it's persistent, you know, it, it sticks around, it's quantized, you know, you can have one or two, but not one and a half. Usually they're discrete, but it's not actually fundamental. It's not like something that is the building block of the universe. It's not a ripple in the quantum mm. field. It's usually like an excited state of some macroscopic solid. It's something that behaves like a particle, but is not actually a particle. So does that include like the protons? 
And neutrons, you know, they behave like particles, but they're actually made out of smaller particles inside. Is that kind of what you mean? Or is it, are you talking more like bigger scale? We're talking bigger scale. I mean, and you could argue that protons and neutrons are not particles because they're not fundamental and they don't have their own quantum fields. And so in that sense, they really are emergent phenomena. And we can get into that later on. I think that's a fascinating question. But I think typically people think when they talk about emergent phenomena, they think about sort of a larger scale. You know, imagine like you have a, a glass of water in front of you and it has mm -hmm. it's sparkling water, has bubbles. You can see those bubbles sort of move up through the water and they move sort of the way a particle does. They hold their shape, they're consistent, you know, they're coherent, they move through the water the same way a particle does. So you can apply a lot of the same mathematics and understanding and intuition that you apply to particles to that bubble in the water. Even though nobody thinks that bubbles are a fundamental unit of the universe or that there's like a quantum bubble field right, that we know that this of thing is a manifestation of. Maybe quarks are made out of bubbles. <laughs> that we have yet discovered. Maybe it's all rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> yeah, it's bubble theory. You know, the same way you can look at like the ocean and you can see a wave moving through it. A wave is not a fundamental property of the universe. It's an emergent phenomenon of all these thousands and millions and trillions of particles all moving together. But mathematically, it's much more convenient to talk about the wave than to track all the little particles that make it up. Mm. So quasi-particles are in the same way, but not really that big a scale, not in the scale of like bubbles and waves, but, you know, like excited states of solids, like wiggles that pass through solids or rotations of things that, that move in a coherent way and, and sort of keep their identity as they pass through a solid. Right. Like sound waves also? Could a sound wave, like a shout or a scream, be considered a quasi-particle? Yes. Sound waves, like vibrations, basically, mm -hmm. if you break them down, you can go down to like the quantum, the smallest possible sound wave is like the vibration of a single particle. That is a quasi particle. It's called a phonon. A phonon is like the quantum. No, you just made that up. I did not just make that up. A no. phonon. You can phone anybody and ask them about it. It's, it's seriously <laughs> a thing. I feel like you're phoning it in. <laughs> no, it's sort of like a, you know, it's a more general sense of what a particle is. And here you have like a single particle might be vibrating mm -hmm. and then it passes that vibration off to the next particle and to the next particle and the next so particle. So it's like a thing that's moving. Yeah. And it's quantized, right? Because these particles that are vibrating, the atoms or whatever in your lattice, you know, say, for example, I knock on the desk in front of me, it sends sound waves through the desk. Or if I speak through the air, then those particles, the ones that are doing the wiggling, they're quantum particles. They have quantum states. There's like a minimum amount of vibration that they can have. And so if you have that minimum amount of vibration, it could pass to the next one and pass to the next one. And that's what keeps it like a coherent thing. It can't just disperse out into infinitely smaller things. It sticks around because of these quantum minima. Mm. They're almost like packets of, of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a mental game you can play with yourself, like what's a particle and what's a quasi-particle. You know, another great and classical example of a quasi-particle is the absence of a particle. What? Yeah. Like you ever play that game where you have like a, a bunch of tiles and there's one open slot and you have to slide the tiles around to like get them in the right order? Oh, like the little puzzles. Yeah, those little puzzles. Well, you can think about it like as the motion of a bunch of tiles or you can think about it as the motion of a hole, of a gap, right? That gap is sort of moving through the puzzle. You're moving that gap mm. around. So that little hole is like a particle? That little hole is sort of like another tile, right? And so in the same way, if you have like a whole bunch of electrons, you can think about one missing electron moving around. 
Like say you have a 10 slots for electrons, but only nine electrons. So there's one hole, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And then if all the electrons move over, then the hole moves. The opposite way, right? The opposite way, precisely. So you can either think of it as moving like every single electron over one slot, or you can just think of it as the hole moving over one in the other direction. Mm. There's two equivalent ways to think about it, but one of them is simpler because you've abstracted away a lot of complications so you can think about it in just this one blob. In the same way that like watching a bubble rise through water is simpler than thinking about all the billions of little particles that are making that happen. So you sort of like abstracted away some stuff so you can apply your particle brain to this new kind of thing. I see. You just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, just to think of that bubbles are not actually a thing. They're just like water molecules moving out of the way. Yeah. That's a bubble. Yeah, exactly. They're just getting pushed out of the way by that air. But the arrangement is sort of static. There's like a minimum size to those bubbles, right? Because of surface tension or whatever. The bubbles can't just like break up into infinitely small bubbles. Mm. And that's why they stick around, right? Until they eventually they pop. Right. And in the same way, like electrons can't split in half. And so that's why you don't get these holes like gradually filled in with partial electrons. Mm. Now, now this sounds kind of very macro, like, you know, we're talking about bubbles and waves. Now, is this something that you as a particle physicist deals with or is it more like a bigger things physics? Neither, actually. It's not something that I deal with because I usually deal with actual particles, real particles, you know, particles that are excitations of quantum fields. But it's also not something that happens on the macro scale, usually. It's most often on the micro scale. So it's something in the adjacent field of condensed matter physics. Mm. People who build like weird materials and, you know, superfluidity and think about superconductivity. I mean, another great example of a quasi-particle are pairs of electrons that cause superconductivity. You know, one reason that metals have a hard time being superconductive is because electrons are fermions. They don't like to be in the lowest state together with another one. But in superconducting materials, we did a whole podcast episode about that. Electrons like to group together into pairs. They're called Cooper pairs. And they're pushed together into these pairs. And together, they're actually bosons. They have the opposite rules from fermions. And so they can cool down and all occupy the same state and flow smoothly over each other. So a Cooper pair is like a pair of electrons sort of acting like a particle. And so that's another example of a quasi-particle. They're often at this micro level. I guess the common thread is that they maintain some sort of quantum property, right? Like a dust particle, a physicist wouldn't call a quasi-particle, right? It has to sort of maintain that quantuminess feeling about it. Yeah. And, you know, you could probably argue that anything is a quasi-particle, but I would say that it should be persistent and it should be quantized and it should be discrete. So many keywords. Quanti, quasi, (laughs) qualitative, (laughs) quantity of particles. Yeah, exactly. And so it's fun. It's like an extrapolation. And this is always really fascinating in science when you can see something in the world and then apply those same ideas somewhere else and gain some insight because it kind of works. You know, it helps Mm. you. It simplifies the problem so you can see the larger dynamics. It gives you an insight into what's going on. It lets you use your intuition from somewhere else. And that's what science is all about. It's not about figuring out the rules for A and then for B and then for C. We want rules that explain everything. We want rules that tie everything together. And so, yeah, if you have a hammer and you've hit a bunch of nails successfully, you're going to go around and hit everything else with that hammer until they look like nails. (laughs) Until they break apart into particles. (laughs) Very convenient. It all works. See, it all works. (laughs) All right, let's get into what are some examples, some fun examples of quasi-particles, and then let's talk about whether or not they're actually real. But first, let's take a quick break. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. All right, Daniel, we're quasi-talking about quasi-particles. I'm really talking about real particles. <laughs> and uh, even this podcast is sort of a quasi-particle, right? I guess, because, you know, it sort of exists <laughs> as electrons moving, which are particles, and it gets stored as information, and it gets turned into sound waves, which are sort of quasi-particles too. That's right. This podcast cannot be broken up into smaller pieces, and so it's therefore a quantized podcast and cannot disperse through the universe and must be accepted into your brain in mm, total. And it's both good and bad at the same time. <laughs> you are welcome, of course, to listen to the podcast in five-minute increments or 12-minute increments or five all at once. So do it as you please, of course. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right. Well, what are some examples of quasi-particles? Like we talked a little bit about phonons being like sound waves uh, particles? Yeah, phonons are vibrations. They're like the quantum of sound waves. They're like the minimum component mm. of sound waves. All sound waves in a solid are built out of phonons. And so the smallest possible sound wave you can have in a solid is one phonon. And, you know, it's just like energy moving through the solid. This atom vibrating in a lattice and then the next one vibrates and the next one vibrates. Mm. And so you can think of that as the phonon moving through. I think phonon is a pretty cool word, too. Yeah. It makes me think of like a, some sort of like Star Trek gun. Like, you know, set your phonon blasters on wiggle. Oh, hmm. I don't know. It's, it's very reminiscent for me of phoning it in. <laughs> I feel like physicists phoned it in when they came up with this name. They're like, what do we call a sound wave <laughs> particle? I know, a phonon. A phonon, I think it's awesome. Yeah, and then all the other quasi-particles all have sort of similar names. Mm. You know, the, the kind of thing that's getting wiggled or, you know, moved through and then on at the end of it. Is it related to sort of like the medium on which these things propagate in or move around in? Because 
I feel like a sound wave is quantized because the underlying thing that they're on is quantized. So it's at some point, yes. you know, you can make a smaller sound wave because you run into particles. That's right, because those particles have quantized energy levels. Like they can't wiggle at half of their energy level. They can wiggle at one energy level or two or three, mm. but there's a minimum amount of wiggle. And that's why it's quantized. You know, that's why, for example, they can't accept a photon of arbitrary energy. They're resonant frequencies, frequencies that solids like to accept photons because it helps them move exactly one energy level up. And also that's why solids give off light at certain frequencies because, you know, that's the resonant frequencies for that gas, for example. It can excite up by absorbing a photon and excite down by giving off that photon. And when it absorbs the photon, like where does that energy go? It goes into a phonon, right? A phonon is the mm. energy moving through the gas. So photons get turned into phonons. Right. Boy, that's fun to say. <laughs> and so what, what are some other examples of quasi-particles? Well, basically every quantum property that a particle can have, when you put it in a lattice, you can think about that property moving through the lattice. What, what do you mean a lattice? Like a, like a grid of particles? Yeah, every solid you can think of as like a grid of particles, like a 3D, like a Lego set of particles put together. And so they're all stacked, each, together. stacked together. Each one is touching the one above it and below it and to its left and to its right forwards and backwards and they're sort of tied together by these bonds and that's what makes a solid right it's sort of like a loose crystal mm. and so they're in this lattice so they can pass information right it's like if you're in a crowd of people and everybody's whispering into their neighbor's ear you can pass information through the crowd and so that same way like that's how these phonons get passed through the crowd but you can do it also with other quantum properties like the particle spin mm. you said we could do it with holds, but you can also do it with like quantum properties like charge and mass and things like that. That's a good point. I mean, for charge, it's sort of holes, right? Holes essentially is the moving of charge around, but there the actual particle moves over, like the electrons have to move over. You can't pass charge from one particle to another mm. the way you can pass energy. When an electron moves from here to there, it, it moves the charge with it, creating sort of like a that's right. Like a hole in, in the charge. Yeah, so you can have quasi-particles in like a particle gas, right? Where if the electrons are free to move around, then the absence of a particle is a quasi-particle, that hole. Mm. But also in a lattice, you can have quasi-particles like the phonon, but also things like the magnon, which is the, the quantum of particle spin that helps create the magnetic field that metals can have, for example. Oh, now that one does sound like a transformer. I have to say, <laughs> which I'm all for. Wait, so a particle spin can also move around like a wave? How does that work? Like the orientation of it or what does that mean? Yeah, the orientation of it. Remember, the particle spin is quantized. So, for example, an electron can be spin up or spin down. So say you have a bunch of electrons that are all spin down, except for one that's spin up. Then it can sort of pass that spin to the next electron, making it spin up. And it can pass that spin to the next electron and it can make it spin up. So the, the spin upness can move through this sort of grid of electrons. And you can think of that mm. as like, oh, well, I got a bunch of electrons. Some are spin up and some are spin down. Or you can think of it like, oh, I have a magnon that's moving through a sea of electrons. Because like one particle will give the, its spin to the next particle or, yep. or just from the gap of it? Yeah, they can transfer because they couple to each other a little bit. You know, electrons talk to each other, they bounce around, they share energy, they interact. Mm. And spin is conserved, so you can't just like have them all be spin up. If they're all spin down except for one, then you have to have one electron spin up. It's just a question of which one. And because it's quantized, you can't have like half spin up and a third spin up. Oh. So you need to pass the whole thing over from electron to electron. 
And so the magnon moves around. So is it like the potato in a game of hot potato? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I'm not sure. Maybe the electrons want to be spit up, right? Maybe it's like, hey, give me that hot potato. No, give me that hot potato. <laughs> I can't speak for the electrons. We should just rename the game to <laughs> magnons or quasi-potato. And then every time you want to play with your four-year-olds, you have to explain to them quasi-particles and then, you know, they're not interested anymore. <laughs> and then nobody wants to play. <laughs> but these are actually really cool and they have other applications in particle physics. Like if you search for magnons, you can be sensitive to really small effects. Like if you get a field of particles and they're really quiet, then you can look for magnons as evidence that like maybe dark matter has come through and hit one of these electrons and given it a spin. Mm. And so you can try to measure these things using very very sensitive magnetometers because remember the spin of the particle affects its magnetic field wow. and so that's why we call it a magnon it all goes back to dark matter doesn't it <laughs> in the end it's only exciting if it can help you find dark matter <laughs> i guess uh, maybe right because it motivates why you would want to study it maybe it's a big mystery yeah but here it's just like hey this is a cool idea and it gives us a new way to look for something really cool and it's an example of why it's good to use like particle physics ideas in other areas like you can get this insight into condensed matter and how spin moves around in a lattice of electrons. And then that gives you an idea for how to look for something else cool and new. So, you know, it sort of like refreshes you creatively, intellectually to like look at something from a new perspective. Mm. So is the idea then that like if I have a whole bunch of electrons and they're just hanging out and suddenly there's like a potato in the middle, they're like, hmm, you're like, must have been dark matter that <laughs> gave us that potato, right? Or, you know, spin, obviously. But is it kind of like that? Like if there's suddenly a potato in the middle... You got to wonder where that potato came from. Yeah, exactly. And eventually one dark matter experiment will have to be called potato based on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, physics, ordinary, uh, what's the right <laughs> acronym there? Transfer of... Well, while you work on that, you know, these things actually do have special power to discover dark matter because mm. the kind of dark matter experiments we have right now are mostly waiting for dark matter to bump into the nucleus of the atom you know, the big heavy protons and neutrons. And we see that kind of nuclear recoil. We see that getting kicked. And that requires kind of heavy dark matter because you got to be big enough to like give it a kick. The dark matter is really, really wispy and it won't move those neutrons and protons even if it does bump into them. But these magnon detectors could be much more powerful as a way to search for very, very light, very low mass dark matter. And since we haven't found dark matter at the higher masses where we've looked for it, it's kind of exciting to say, oh, look, we can build new detectors that might be sensitive to even wispier dark matter. Uh, because electrons are more sensitive than protons and neutrons? Well, they're just lighter and so they're easier to kick, right? If you are a very light particle, then you're going to have a bigger effect bumping into an electron than you are bumping into a proton or neutron, which is like, you know, a boulder in comparison. Oh, I see. So if dark matter can interact with electrons, then you would see it in a very kind of maybe bigger way if you look for these quantum spin quasi-particles. Yeah, if you look for magnons, exactly. I feel like you don't want to say magnon. It's such a fun word. <laughs> yeah, no, magnon, magnon. And there are lots of other kinds of quasi-particles. You know, there are polarons. This is when electrons interact with the polarization of ions. Wait, I just came up with a joke, Daniel. What's that? If you make this project, if you set up this experiment, you should call it the Magnon Particle Interface. <laughs> Magnon Particle Interface. Yeah. MPI? No, Magnon PI. <laughs> then you'd be uh, ready for prime time. Everybody has to unbutton their shirt two buttons to work on this experiment. <laughs> yeah, and, and have a mustache. <laughs> I'll start growing it. Then there's the, like, there are rotons. 
if you have like a fluid, Rotons. a Rotan, uh-huh. yeah, if you have a fluid that you can get like vortices in it, right? You can get like little whirlpools mm-hmm. and the sort of the minimum amount of vortex that you can get turns out to be quantized because of how these particles can spin. And so that's what a Roton is. It's like the minimum quantum of vortices. Mm. I guess because the medium again is quantized. So, you know, little like vortices also have to be quantized because there's a minimum size of these particles. Yeah. And they have energy levels in just the same way that phonons exist because solids in a lattice have energy levels to their vibrations. Fluids also have energy levels and these particles inside them, these vortices have sort of a minimum energy level. Mm. And so that's where you get rotons. Mm. And then you get other really weird things. And and you can apply this really broadly. And there's been like an explosion of different kinds of quasi particles people have sort of created or, or conceived of. You know, they even have like weird two-dimensional quasi-particles. Whoa. All right, let's get into the rest of these quasi-examples of quasi-particles. And then let's get into whether or not they're actually real. Like philosophically, could we call them real things? And how does that maybe put into question the particles that we're made out of? But first, let's take another quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right, it's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. All right, Daniel, so we covered the phonon, the magnon, and the rotons. What other ons have people sort of discovered or studied? Uh, One of my favorites is this weird one. It's an excitation in plasma. So plasma is like you take gas and you heat it up so much that the electrons and the nucleus separate, right? The electron becomes free. And so you have like a charged gas. And this is really hot and nasty stuff. And it's, you know, it's what the sun is made out of. And it's what we use to try to do fusion. And sometimes you can get it acting in sort of like sheets. You can get these like sheets of plasma 
layering on top of each other because these things have charges. And so like you can get like a negatively charged sheet and then a positively charged sheet and then a negatively charged sheet sort of like stack up on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And weird ripples pass through these 2D sheets of plasma. And these things are called... Let me guess. Plasmons. (laughs) That would be a good one, but no. They're called, for reasons I don't understand, they're called anions. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like like A-N-Y-ons. And, you know, it makes me wonder, like, how did they come up with that name? Like, maybe all the other ons were taken and somebody said, you Mm. know, is there anything left? Ding. Oh, any ons. No ons or something. Daniel, what do you call a quasi-particle made out of (laughs) quasi-particles? A quasi-quasi-particle. An onion. (laughs) An onion, of course. Man, I walked into all these terrible jokes. (laughs) You are. I am just firing off the quasi-pad jokes here. But there's some really cool mathematical features of these things. Like these any ons, they actually act like two-dimensional particles. It's like a mathematical system that we don't see in reality. You know, our universe is in three dimensions, so our particles move in three dimensions. Mm. And there's different mathematics that apply to two dimensions. Mm. You know, the surface of things and the surface area of things and how things diffuse. You know, instead of going like one over R squared, that goes like one over R. And these anions actually exhibit those mathematical properties as if they were 2D particles. Mm. And that's really kind of cool. That's just like test out this mathematics in real life. Interesting. Because then then you can have like different kinds of physics, right? Like you can have 2D physics, which could be totally different. Yeah, it is totally different. And it's fascinating to see it. And like, of course, it's made out of 3D things. So it's not really 2D, but it's sort of like a physical simulation of 2D, which is really pretty cool because you see these effects happening, but sort of, you know, quasi it's like on the meta level you like abstracted it out and in this interpretation of these plasma wiggles where i call these anions and treat them like particles Mm. then i see that it follows exactly the math you would expect for actual 2d particles and that's pretty cool like you can describe them with wave functions even though they're they're not like they're just gaps in other wave functions yeah exactly exactly you can describe them with wave functions and all the mathematics we use for particle physics mm. but in 2d so that's pretty mm. awesome all right what, what are some other cool quasi particles i think maybe the last one i'm excited about is the exciton <laughs> i walked into that <laughs> one <not>. daniel <laughs> there's actually a part of called the exi- exciton yeah and it's not like the quantum unit of daniel's enthusiasm for science <laughs> you know it's um, which has a minimum daniel are you saying there's a minimum excitability threshold always above zero it's always oh. above zero and this is when you get an electron which is a particle you know mm-hmm. and a hole so a hole is already a quasi particle right it's the absence of an electron mm-hmm. it's where it's a gap where you might expect an electron but sometimes electrons and holes can interact with each other because a hole is in effect positively charged right the absence of a negative charge is like a positive charge and so the electron and the hole can interact and they can actually form these bound states. What? Uh, one electron will will drag a hole behind it. And so they're sort of moving together. The electron would drag the hole. Yeah, the electron will drag oh. the hole behind it. Because, you know, a hole is sort of like the absence of an electron. And, you know, these are all things that come out of like complex interactions between the electrons and the positive ions that they're embedded in. And, you know, not all these things last for that long. You know, like Cooper pairs don't tend to last for very long in superconducting materials. But you can still apply the mathematics to them for as long as they do live. Mm. And so you call that 
pairing another particle. So a quasi-particle with a particle, you can group them into a quasi-particle too. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like you were saying before, it's a quasi-particle made out of a particle and a quasi-particle. Wow, seems really meta. <laughs> it is pretty meta. And it lets us explore sort of the theoretical space for particles that we don't see in terms of fundamental particles. Like we talked on the podcast recently about whether neutrinos are their own antiparticle. And this is a special kind of particle called a Majorana fermion invented by an Italian guy, Ettore Majorana. And we've never seen a Majorana fermion. Like we don't know if neutrinos are their own antiparticles. We're curious about it. We've never seen it. But in quasi-particles, we've seen quasi-particles that have this property that are their own antiparticles, where two of them, when they bump into each other, they annihilate. And so we sort of have seen the mathematics of Majorana fermions work on the level of quasi-particles, even if we haven't seen it work for fundamental particles. And that tells you that, like, okay, well, the math is right. If those particles exist and are out there, we know what they would do. Mm. All right, well, let's get into the question of maybe the more philosophical question, which is, uh, are quasi-particles real? Are they just kind of like phenomenon? Or do you think there's something fundamental about them in the universe? We don't know if they're real. Or I guess we don't know if... They're fundamental. We don't know if anything is real, right? Oh, I mean, no. quasi-particles are a mathematical way to describe like some information, some labels moving through a material. You could say the same thing about particles, except there the material is not like a solid or a crystal. It's a quantum field, right? Particles, we say this on the podcast all the time, particles are just excited little blobs of energy moving through a quantum field. Mm. And we had a listener question recently, like, why do we have particles at all? And we said that there, there's like a minimum energy that a quantum field can store and that energy moves around. And that's what we think of as a particle. Right. So maybe this whole particle idea is a human idea. It's just our interpretation of a localized packet of energy. Mm. And we apply that to what we call fundamental particles that we don't know if they're fundamental and also to sort of larger groupings of things. So I find that argument kind of persuasive that there really is Nothing fundamental. Interesting. Like maybe everything should just be called a, an energy on or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything, like everything's just an excitation. Like everything is just a blip in something else. Yeah, exactly. And maybe it's not fair to have a distinction between particles and quasi-particles. They're all particles, right? Mm. Um, they're all really the same. It's just a question of like, what are you wiggling? Are you wiggling some other matter or are you wiggling a quantum right. field? What, what it makes me think is like, what if quantum fields are actually made out of other little things? Do you know what I mean? Like maybe, but we just can't see them. Yes, very likely they are. What? Because our description of the universe in terms of quantum fields doesn't really work at some level. So a lot of open questions we've talked about, you know, why do we have so many of these fields? Why do we have like several different kinds of forces, each with their own kind of field? Are they all just part of one field? Is there even really a field or is it an emergent property of something mm. deeper? And so I think that, you know, this era of particle physics where we talk about the universe in terms of particles and the fields that they wiggle on, this is probably a temporary phase in the sort of the longer history of physics before we dig in and we find some other concept. Right. Because, you know, the concept of a particle is only like a hundred and something years old. We could very well come up with a new mathematical concept that the universe is based out of. That's right. what string theory is. Yeah. Right? The onion. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> That's right. It has layers. It's a theory that has layers, Daniel. It, it makes you cry. It makes me cry the more I hear about it. Exactly. <laughs> Let's slice into it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, 
like maybe what we think of as fundamental right now, like quarks and the electron, maybe they're just like holes in a medium of other stuff, smaller particles. Yeah, absolutely. And everything that we have, all these ideas we have, this understanding we have about the universe, these are just ideas in our head to describe the experiments that we do and the observations we make. We don't know that any of it is like true in any sense. It's just useful and seems to work. And it seems awfully true because it really, really works. Uh, we're going to do an episode next week about like the super high precision of the predictions, like the mathematics of these fields, and these particles gets things right on to like, you know, 12, 15 decimal places. So it seems really true, but we don't know that it is. I mean, I remember having this moment in college when I was learning about quantum mechanics and seeing one of these calculations where the, the calculation was done and the experiment was done and the two agreed to like 15 decimal places. And I remember thinking, Wow, it's like this theory is not just good. It's like what the universe is doing. Mm. And that could be true. It could be that the universe has fields and it's doing these field calculations to describe how particles move. But it could also be that that's totally wrong. It's just an emergent picture of something much simpler, much deeper right. that hopefully we'll stumble across soon. Mm, like maybe it's just a big coincidence. It could just be. And it could be, you know, that the way that we think about it and who happened to be around when we started thinking about it and the ideas that they had. If you ran like history twice or 10 times or 15 times, you might get very different mathematics and therefore very different sort of like intellectual notions about how to organize our knowledge about the universe. And that's really what a particle is. It's a human organization of our knowledge of the universe. Mm. So you might have come up with a different idea and, and science could have followed a very different path. Mm. Well, I, Daniel, I feel uh, definitely a few excitons about the whole endeavor and to learning more about this. It is kind of a cool way to sort of see the universe. Like maybe the universe we see when we look at the stars or when we look at ourselves in the mirror, you know, we're all just kind of like little packets of, of excitability, of little packets of energy just kind of rippling around. Yeah, and it's fun to think that you can explore that on the micro, micro, micro level. You can break yourself up and, and think about the smaller and smaller particles. But it also works the other direction. You can build up from there and think of like particles on another level, on a meta level. Mm, and it still right. kind of works. Yeah. And th that's sort of amazing. That tells you that, you know, this concept of like a packet of energy or packet of excitation moving around, maybe that is something real and true in the universe. Interesting. Like everyone listening to this podcast is a you-on, <laughs> a, a person-on, a person-on, a person Daniel. It's already there. I bet they're hoping that you will move on from this, Jib. <laughs> All right, let's, let's phone it in and phone on it in and wrap it up. Time to go on. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed that discussion, that, that quasi discussion, and maybe look at the universe in a slightly different way. And thanks to everybody for writing in with your curiosity. We love hearing what you are curious about. The goal of our podcast is to bring you to the forefront of science. And so when you hear something talked about you don't understand, send it to us. We will break it down for you. We will explain it to you in a way that makes sense and hopefully makes you giggle on. See you next time. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.